At Woodside Bible Church, we gather each week to pursue God by studying His Word together. Through this three-week series, we're turning to the biblical book of Isaiah to discover how God's holiness, forgiveness, and love compel us to share Him with others. We'll come face-to-face with whatever's keeping us from answering God's call as Isaiah did. Send me. It is so good to be gathered together this morning. You know, back in the day, it's always a compelling way to start a sermon, right? Back in the day, though, I have to tell you, we, um, we had this time where we go to the library. You guys remember Library Day, right? Raise your hands. Come on now. Come on. All right. Y'all are with me. So Library Day. Library Day was an exciting day at my school, but there was one particular book that everybody wanted. Maybe you guys had the same book. We certainly had it at my school. Like There was a sign-up sheet, a waiting list to get this book, and it was the Guinness Book of World Records. Like, everybody wanted to, not that you're, I mean, but you did read, right? It was sneaky. It was sneaky reading. You weren't reading a story, but you were constantly reading because we are so good at underestimating what people can do. Like, I don't know the number, but if I ask, like, how high can a dog jump? You know what I mean? A poodle, he can jump about that high. He can jump kind of high. But, like, you know there's police dogs, there's military dogs. Again, I don't know the number, but, like, I've seen the videos. It's, like, eight foot in the air. They can just jump. Or, like, they can run up a building. Have you seen the videos? Like, they can run up the building. It's the most incredible thing ever. But I do have a number for this one. How many of you, I've asked before, but how many of you, you've ran a marathon? Raise the hands. There's, okay, see, there's quite a few hands that just went up. So I'm specifically, those of you who just raised your hands, I'm specifically wanting you to answer this question, although I want everybody to answer in your head. But if I said, how far, and I got the number, how far or how long do you think a human could actually run? No sleeping, like just run straight without stopping. Like you got the number in your head? Because you're thinking like marathon, that's about it. Like that was good. Like you don't need to run any more than that. There's no reason to run more than that. But I want you to think like, okay, seriously though, if someone just kept running to see how far they could go or how long they could run, how far, how long? Here's the answer. October 12th through the 15th of 2005, a guy named Dean Carnassus. Now, Dean Carnassus, you might recognize the name because he's the guy that ran 50 marathons in 50 days in 50 states, just because why not, right? Like no one had done that. So he's like 50 marathons, 50 days, 50 states is what he did. Well, October 12th through the 15th of 2005, he set a record. He ran for 80 hours and 44 minutes. At the end, he was hallucinating because he hadn't slept and he had just been running. True story. 80 hours and 44 minutes. He ran 350 miles. So there you go. That's how far a person can run. Now, I don't know about you, but like, yep, I underestimated that. I way underestimated that. Or we could look at uh, just the uh, feats of engineering. We all know the SR-71 Blackbird is the fastest jet that we've been told about, right? That's the fastest one we know about. It set a record for flying coast to coast in 68 minutes. The previous record had been three and a half hours coast to coast in 68 minutes. Like that boggles my brain. Or the woman in 2009 in Chicago who hula hooped for 100 hours. I'm constantly finding myself underestimating what people can actually do. It is incredible to me. And I think the same is true in our own personal lives. When you look at your life and the potential that you have 
in Christ Jesus to actually live out our calling to Scripture. Church, I'm going to tell you, I think we way underestimate the value of what we can do in Christ. I do. I also think we underestimate the impact of sin on our lives. In fact, we know from reading through Scripture that sin is real. We know that all have fallen into the trap of sin. We know that we have all rebelled against a holy and living God. We know the wages of sin is death, eternal separation from a holy and an awesome God. Now, if all of that's true, if all of that's true, then the greatest need that every single person on this planet has is to be forgiven by God. That's the greatest need that we have. Now, I don't know who said this, but there's a quote that says, if our greatest need had been information, God would have sent an educator. If the greatest need had been technology, God would have sent a scientist. And it goes on to say, but the greatest need was forgiveness. So God sent a savior. You see, the whole point of the word of God, when you read through the Bible, the point is not to drive you to a place of happiness. That's not the point of the Bible. The point is not to drive you to a place of, hey, if you just want to make a lot of money, here's how to do it. Read the Bible. If you just want any of those things that I just mentioned, just read. You want to jump higher, run further, just read. But that's not the point. The point of the Bible is to point us to that place where we can find forgiveness from God. And it comes only through Christ Jesus. That's the whole point of the scriptures. So let's look at this big idea that God's forgiveness compels us to go. God's forgiveness compels us to go because if you have been forgiven by God, the greatest need that any of us have, then you got a choice. It either A, puts you in a place of saying, well, God and I, we're good now. Like, I don't have anything to worry about. I've been forgiven by God. I'm just going to sit and I'm going to watch TV and eat ho-hos. That's what I'm going to do. I'm just going to some of them cheesy puffs. I'm just going to relax and call it a day. Or you say, based on the fact that I have been forgiven, I cannot help but be an ambassador of reconciliation. I have to go and to tell others about us. The big idea is God's forgiveness compels us to go. So let's take our Bibles, open up to Isaiah chapter 6 this morning. We're in this sermon series called Send Me that Travis kicked off last week. Travis kicked off this series called Send Me looking at Isaiah chapter 6. I got to tell you, after the sermon, Amy and I were chatting about how this particular passage was such a catalyst in our faith journey. Like this particular passage was so, so, so important to us. And I will get to that in just a little bit. But here's the scene. The scene is 740 BC. Let me show you a map of Israel in 740 BC. This is what it looked like during the time of Isaiah. The nation of Israel had been divided into two different kingdoms, into two different countries. You had the northern kingdom there, or the northern kingdom of Israel, or just Israel, And that made up 10 of the 12 tribes of Israel. And then the two tribes, Judah and Benjamin, went to the south, to Judah. Now, what we find is that northern kingdom there, if you look, it's right by the most powerful nation of its day, which is Assyria. And they start to adopt so many of the practices of the Assyrian Empire. Now, real fast, time out. Israel was created for a purpose. This is God's people God's covenant people. And God wanted to show all the nations of the world the love that he has for the whole world through his covenant with Israel. But they're rebelling at this point. In fact, the northern kingdom, they started to push away from the ways of God and just adopt the ways of the Assyrian. 20 years later, they were completely defeated. 
Right? And so they were adopting all of these pagan practices and all the ways of the world, pushing away from the ways of God. Meanwhile, in Judah, that southern kingdom there, you had a different story. For 52 years, they had been ruled by a king named King Uzziah. King Uzziah, at the very beginning of his reign, was so good. Listen to what it says in 2 Chronicles 26. It says that he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. He sought the Lord and God made him prosper. You see, the fortifications grew higher. Judah grew stronger. They defeated and pushed back their enemies. They were doing it. But all of a sudden, 52 years, this king started to become a little bit more and more puffed up. A little bit more pride. You know how that works, right? Look how good I did. Look, boy, I whooped them, didn't I? I just whooped them. I sent them crying, you know. They, and we get real puffed up thinking we did it. We forget the fact that the Lord is in control. He forgot that and became very puffed up. So for the past 11 years of his life, he suffered from leprosy. And all of a sudden, just like the northern kingdom, Judah started to rebel as well. They started to live in a way other than the Lord. And that's when King Uzziah died. So there's no one sitting on the throne now. The throne is empty. You all know, even if you're not a history fan, you know an empty throne does not do your, your nation any good. If you don't have a ruler in charge, if you don't have anyone who's your point person, you're vulnerable to outside attacks. That's the place that Israel is at this point. They're vulnerable. They're open. There's no one seated on the throne. For the past 11 years or so, there's just been rebellion from the people. There's a lot of fear and a lot of questions. Who's going to fill that throne? That's when Isaiah says in Isaiah chapter 6, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord seated on a throne, high and exalted. The train of his robe filled the temple. The temple filled with smoke. This is a moment that Isaiah sees the holiness of God. And so we're going to see the response of seeing the holiness of God. Friends, this, this is the same for us. You, no doubt, have had those moments where you've seen the holiness of God. What do you do? What do you do in that moment when you see the holiness of God? Well, we're going to see two responses. The first is that you're going to receive God's forgiveness. In the moment of seeing God's holiness, you're going to receive his forgiveness. Look at Isaiah 6, starting in verse 5. Isaiah seeing the holiness of God, it says, and I said this, woe is me, for I am lost, for I'm a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. So he responds like a lot of people when he sees the holiness of God. He's undone, right? He's like, I am wrecked in this moment. Like my life, I don't even know what I'm supposed to say or do. It's the same thing that happened to Moses, isn't it? Back in Exodus chapter 3, it says, And God said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. Now, that's the beginning of your Bible. Fast forward to the end of your Bible. When John sees Jesus returning, what's he say? He says, And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. Yeah, that's, that's where Isaiah is. Isaiah is in this place where he's seen the, the glory of God. He's in the holiness of God. He's seen these angels having this worship service crying out, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The earth is full of his glory. And what's Isaiah do? 
I can't even speak. Like, I, I have no voice right now. He says this. He says, I am ruined in the NIV. The ESV, I am lost. It can also be translated, I am silent. You ever, you ever had that moment in worship where maybe there's people singing around you and, and you just kind of stand there and you think to yourself, like, I, I can't sing right now. Like, I think if I open my mouth to sing, I'm just going to end up being a puddle on the floor. Like, I literally can't get it out. I feel overwhelmed by the holiness of God. Have you had that moment? Can I have someone nod their head like this? Like, as I have. I've had that moment where I just stand there, and I'm like, I don't know what to say, and I can't speak. I am undone. I am ruined. I, I, I am speechless at the holiness and the awesomeness of God. I don't know that I can possibly utter anything that would add anything to this worship service. I'm just so incredibly blessed that I can even be in this space right now. Have you been there? Because that's where Isaiah is. He is in this incredible place of worship. Do not skip this, church. This is not just a, a story about Isaiah seeing God's glory. We get to see God's glory. You realize that, right? We get to see God's glory every single time you open up his word. You get to see his glory. What an incredible gift from God we've been given. When you see someone surrender their life to Christ, you get to see his glory. When you get to see someone go into the baptism waters, you get to see his glory. We just talked about the gift of springtime. We get to see his glory. Right? Do you see the sunrise come? Some of you are like, no, I'm sleeping right then, Pastor. All right, the sun set then. Right? We get to see his glory. Walk outside during the summer and see a gajillion stars out there. We get to see his glory. All of creation is crying out about his glory. We get to see it every single time we turn around. That's where Isaiah is. I just want you to, I wish there was some way I could bottle this and really communicate it effectively because he has seen God's glory. I like how there's a pastor named Mark Sayers. He's describing our culture's way of thinking, and he says this. He says, I, I think that what post-Christianity is and its belief in progress is a desire for a kingdom without a king. In other words, what he's saying is, I think that what we want is we want to chase after the things of God and the ways of God and the gifts of God without surrender to God without recognizing his holiness. I mean, think about peace. It's a fruit of the spirit, right? Peace. We will have books and books and books on here's how you have peace. Patience. Here are three things you need to do to have patience. We try to remove the Holy Spirit from the equation. We try to remove God from the equation and recreate the special mixture in a bottle on our own. And the whole time, all we have to do is surrender to his lordship. Right, that's what we need. That's what we're craving. So Isaiah sees his situation. And unfortunately, in this moment, he underestimates God's grace. He sees God's holiness, but he underestimates God's grace. Look at verse 6. It says, Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a burning coal that he had taken with tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth and he said, behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin is atoned for. Now, Travis talked about this last week, but the seraphim, it means the, the burning ones, right? The fiery ones. They have six wings. They're these angels with six wings. With two, they cover their face. 
With two, they cover their feet. And with two, they're, they're flying. And they just continue to worship the Lord, crying out, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The earth is full of his glory. And they see Isaiah over here, just knocked off of his feet, just speechless. And what do they do? They zoom over to him, right? They whoosh over to him. I don't know about you, but if I'm sitting here, not even able to speak because the holiness of God, and this six-winged creature comes whooshing over to me, I'm like, that's it. I'm dead. Like, that's game over. Today is my death day. You know, that's what I would be thinking. And yet that's not what happens. They're not coming to bring judgment onto him. What they're doing is they're coming to be, to be conduits of God's grace. Now, notice the order of events here. The order of events. Isaiah sees the glory of God, his holiness for who he is. The second thing you see is you see Isaiah sees his own sin. He had been just kind of, uh, kind of unaware of his sin and the depth of his sin and the depth of the sin of the people until seeing the holiness of God, but now he gets it. And then the third thing you see is you see God sends his servant to forgive him, to see the sins taken away, to see them atoned for. That's the word used, atoned. Atoned, it, it means that the sin is covered over, that it's pardoned, that it's, it's paid for. Now, I want you to think about God's idea of forgiveness. God's idea of forgiveness. Because we have Leviticus that tells us that we should be holy because God is holy. Right? Holy means to be set apart, to be different. Not like the rest of the world, but to be set apart, to be holy. But then we know in the New Testament, John says that God is love, which I like that part, don't you? Because I hear God as love, and I think to myself, okay, I I'm accepted. We're all forgiven. We're all accepted. We're all forgiven. That's love. But then we hear holy, and we're like, okay, none of us are accepted. None of us are forgiven. So which is it? That's where God's design comes into play. God's solution is, I love you, and yet someone has to pay. And so I will pay. And that's why Jesus came. And Jesus was the perfect substitute for our sin. Paul says it like this, for our sake, he, God the Father, made him, God the Son, to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him, in Jesus, we might become the righteousness of God. You see, it's for his glory. It's for our good, but it's for his glory. I love how it said in Romans 3, it says we are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus God presented Christ as a, listen what it says, a sacrifice of atonement. That Jesus was the one who would atone for, who would pay for, who would pardon our sin. Through the shedding of his blood. That's why we take communion. is to remember the shedding of his blood. To be received by faith. Not by what you can do, not by what I can do, but by faith. He did this to demonstrate his righteousness. Because in his forbearance... He had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. He did it to demonstrate his righteousness at the present time so as to be just and the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus. So today, when you think about God, do you see him for who he is? Do you see him high and exalted? Do you see him glorified? Do you see forgiveness Forgiveness from God through your faith in Jesus, is that what you see? Because if so, then you can't just hold that for yourself. You have to share it. Now, if you don't, if for you, you've never surrendered to Jesus as Lord and Savior, my question is, why not? 
Like, what is it that's the obstacle for you? Is it your pride? Is it like, oh, I've just never surrendered to anyone, so I just can't. Is that what it is? Is it that you feel like you don't know enough? Is it just that you, you just figure, like, I'm going to try harder, I'm going to try to do better? What is it that's the obstacle for you? Is it that you're just in that spot of going, I just don't know how? I just want you to know this. Following the service, we'll have a prayer team right over here. They would love to pray with you. They would love to talk to you about how to take that step in following Christ. Don't leave today with those questions unanswered. Don't do that. Because when you're in that place of you have been forgiven by God, through your faith in Christ, you can't help but share it. That's our last point. Share God's forgiveness with the world. Look at verse 8. Isaiah says, and I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? And then I said, here I am, send me. Now notice that forgiveness prepared him for the mission. This is the guy that just a few verses before, Isaiah is in that place of going, woe to me. I'm, I'm ruined. I'm undone. I'm speechless because I'm a man of unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips. What in the world can I possibly say? I can't go speak to people. I can't speak to people because look how unclean I am. And yet, because the forgiveness of the Lord, look where he's at. Here I am, Lord. Not because all of a sudden he's good enough. Not because he's measured up enough. Not because he's learned to jump through the right hoops, but because he's been forgiven by a holy and an awesome God. Forgiveness prepared him for the mission, which is the same for us. Listen to 2 Corinthians 5.17. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting us to the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we're ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. One of the baptisms at Easter was my friend Bob. And uh, some of you were there for that service. Some of you went to different services. Uh, but here's the short version. Bob had chatted with me in the office, and he said, okay, pastor, so if I'm, if I'm a Christian... If I'm going to surrender my life to Christ, does that mean that I have to forgive this person in my life? Do I, do I have to forgive them? And um, I thought about it for a second. I'm like, well, yeah, that's the way it works, right? If you're going to be a Christian, yes, that is the answer. Listen, we've been entrusted to the message of reconciliation. How can we be entrusted to the message of reconciliation if we won't do that ourselves, so yeah, if you have people that you haven't forgiven in your life, you're not walking in the way of the Lord. Jesus said it like this in Matthew 6. He said, for if you forgive other people and they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Now this is when Jesus was saying, here's what it is to follow me. If you want to know what it is to follow me, this is what it looks like. And you know what we oftentimes do is we say, I would forgive them. But Lord, you don't know what they've done to me. You don't know what they said. You don't know how they hurt this person that I really care about. They really hurt this person that I love and care about. I can't forgive them. Can I just tell you that is the opposite of following Christ. It is the opposite of following Christ. Christ on the very cross, what did he say? Forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. 
They don't even realize what they're doing. God, you have to forgive them for this. You see, when we follow the ways of the Lord, we are ambassadors of reconciliation. That's who we are. Now, I mentioned earlier that this was a major passage in our faith journey. I mentioned at Easter that um, Easter was the marker of when I surrendered my life to the Lord. Here's the rest of the story. So I surrendered my life to the Lord, and it was like maybe a week later, I was in the office of the music minister just saying, hey, Steve, I need help because I feel like the Lord's trying to tell me something. Like, I've got this churning. I just don't know what it is. Like, I don't know how to figure out. See, for 20-something years, I had lived life just listening to my own self. Like, whatever I want to do, what my friends tell me to do, what my parents tell me to do, like, just figuring it out myself. I'm going to do the best I know how to do with what's in front of me. That's how I had lived life. I didn't know how to listen to the Lord. I didn't know how to be obedient to the Lord. I didn't know any of that. And so all of a sudden, when I felt like the Lord was stirring in me with something, I was freaked out a little bit, y'all. So I'm in his office going, Steve, you need to help me out because I don't know how to listen. And so that started a whole chain of events. I did everything I could think of just to try to get to where I could start to figure out how to listen to the Lord. I, I joined the choir and I sang, not well, but I sang. I did that. I started to volunteer with students, and I worked with the student ministry. I went to Africa, because I thought that's a Christian thing to do, right? Go to Africa. So I did that, and there really are hippos and elephants there just running around. You know, it's, it's Africa, and, and it was incredible, and I loved it. I joined some drama teams, and we'd do drama stuff in the church, and we went on trips to, this, we were in Oklahoma, but we went to Kansas and Missouri and Arkansas and all over Oklahoma, just helping churches out. Uh, I loved all of it. But it was this passage. You see, as Steve had talked to me that very, very first week, he said, Billy, maybe the Lord is calling you to preach. And here's what I did. I looked at him. And I started laughing. And I said, stop being stupid. I'm serious. <laughs> and um, the reason I said that, I, I'm sorry, there's kids in the room and I shouldn't say the S word. <laughs> sorry, and if you're watching online, I didn't mean it. But that's what I said. It really is what I said. And, and the reason I said it is because I had seen I'd seen the holiness of God and received his forgiveness. And when I saw the holiness of God and received his forgiveness, I just was undone. And so when he said that, you know, maybe the Lord's calling you to ministry, I was like, okay, you're being ridiculous because God can't use someone like me. Do you know the things I've thought and the things I've said and how I've lived? And I'm way too sinful for anything like that. Church, the reality is I still am. But what I did not understand was that grace portion that Isaiah finally got. It took me a few years before I got it. That when you say, here I am, Lord, send me, it's really not about me, is it? It has nothing to do with me. That's what Isaiah got. Isaiah understood that this is not about me. I have been cleansed by a holy and an awesome God. I have been forgiven because of that. I am now a conduit of his grace. I'm an ambassador of reconciliation. I get to spread this message. The greatest need of all of humanity is forgiveness from God. And I get to be part of that. That's what Isaiah finally got. 
So it was not a prideful, here I am, send me because I'm good enough. It was not a prideful, here I am, send me because I'm gifted enough, because I, I have enough. No, it's because you're enough. That's why here I am, send me. That's why here I am, send me. And so I want to do this. I want to finish today by just giving you a few opportunities of what here I am, send me might look like for you. Because my suspicion is already the Lord's been stirring in you in some area of what it looks like to be obedient to his calling in your life. That that same stirring that I felt like 20-some years ago, that you're, you've been feeling that same thing, that there is a stirring in you. For instance, we were contacted, I'm not making this up, this really happened. The embassy in Brazil contacted us, our church, contacted us directly. Let's say there's a hypothetical man named Michael, because that's his name. And um, <laughs> Michael said... I, I work at the embassy here in Brazil, and I like to tell people around the office about this really interesting place where I grew up. It's called Romeo, Michigan. And, um, and he goes, so as I've been talking about this place called Romeo, Michigan, there's someone who works in the office with this 15-year-old son. And his 15-year-old son went so desperately to do a year of the study abroad thing. And so he wants to go to Romeo, of every place in the U.S. that he could go, he so wants to go to Romeo. And so he asked, does your church maybe have that family that would open the doors to this 15-year-old? And the answer was, hey, I don't know. I can't talk about it because it's Easter time and I'm talking about Easter. And they said, but our deadline is the end of April. I said, I'm, I'm really sorry. Like we're going to a sermon series where I could talk about it, but I I'm not talking about it at Easter. Like that's not what I'm talking about it. And um, he said, we're going to push the deadline back because I, I want your church to be able to hear. Now, we know a little bit about this guy. We know he's 15. He studied English for seven years. He likes to bake and he likes volleyball and he likes Spider-Man. So, I mean, I, we, know, <laughs> we know some things that don't really help us a lot. Besides, you better have some flour on hand when he gets here, you know. There, there's a lot that, that we don't. I know he has an older brother. You know, I, we know that much. We have actually some more information if this is your family Outside that exit door, there's a connect desk. Just stop right there and say, I love information on this guy because we've been talking about this. Because here's my suspicion. The Lord doesn't put it in front of us on accident. I think there's a reason that it's been pushed off until this Sunday. And I think there's a reason that you're here, you're watching online on this Sunday. Maybe you've been talking as a family about this for years like, hey, this is something I, I think we should do. This is something I think we should consider. We've got this extra room in our house. Don't, don't take this lightly, though. This is letting your home be home to this student for a year. Like, it, it's a full, not starting tomorrow. It would start, like, in the fall. And so there is an application process. There is an interview process. We want to make sure everything's safe for everyone. Um, but, but maybe the Lord has been, sir. And maybe not. Here's the thing is if that's not you, then don't stop and talk at the connect desk. Don't apply. Don't go through that process. There's no guilt here. There's no shame. There's nothing like that. But I'm just saying if that is you, then stop and get the conversation going. Right? Let, just stop. Here's another thing that I want to tell you about. May 21st. Look at your calendars. That's just a few weeks. May 21st. Spring surf. We're totally switching gears now. That was one opportunity of here I am, send me. Whole different thing. May 21st is spring surf. We've done this in the past, and what we've done is this group's going over to this school, and this group is going to this park, and this group is going over here, and we spread into groups, and we're just all over the place. This year is going to be different. I want you to picture this. 
all of the individuals that participate in Spring Serve going to one location. You picture that? That's what we're going to do. We're going to go to Simpson Park on May 21st. And if you're like, what is this Simpson Park? What is this? Okay, campground. If you keep going down campground, there's an actual camp down there. It's a Christian camp. It's been there since like 1865, and it hasn't gone anywhere. So it's right there. Since 1865, it's been there. Maybe your kids play soccer there. Maybe your family has been on a, on a family uh, trip. They have camps during the summer. Maybe you've been to family camp there. Maybe you've been part of a spiritual retreat there, but it's been there for years. It's in our front yard, church. And so there's so many needs. In your bulletin, there's a QR code. You can scan that QR code. In fact, you need to scan that QR code because here's what I don't want to see happen. I don't want 300 people with chainsaws to show up because someone's going to get hurt. Like, let's not do that. But what's great about this particular day, this is a day where we are just going to descend on this camp. We'll have lunch together. Lunch is going to be provided. We'll give you T-shirts. T-shirts are provided. But if you have little bitty ones, we have pickup stick jobs. Like that is a job you can sign up for, pickup sticks. And, and like they got a lot of land, right? There are a lot of sticks. And so we're going to pick them up. There's painting jobs that you can sign up for. There is build the play sets that you can sign up for. So depending on your skill set and level of expertise, we have a job for you. But it's just an opportunity to say, here I am, send me. One other thing I want to tell you about, that's May 21st. Maybe you looked at the date and your stomach dropped. Well, May 21st, I'm out of town. I already know I'm out of town. We got that wedding going on, and I don't want to be sad that there's a wedding, but man, I really would want to do that. And so what am I supposed to do now? There's bags. As you leave, there are bags. Those bags are going to go to a partner of ours called Samaritan House. We've been partnered for years with them. Samaritan House is right here in our community. Now, we want to be intentional, so intentional, going to Ecuador in September, Right? We want to be intentional of going all the way to the ends of the earth, but we also want to be intentional right here at home. There shouldn't be anyone hungry in our community, on our watch. That should never happen. And so right now, we know that the food pantry there at Samaritan House is starting to get a little bit low. And they said, these are the items that we need to boost up our food pantry. So just grab a bag on the way out, fill up the bag, and return it so that we can stock up the shelves again. Here's what I'm convinced of. Here I am, send me. It's not really about location, is it? You think the Lord's real concerned with where that borderline has been drawn? It's not about location. It's about our heart. It's about our hearts and Lord, I've seen your holiness. I've seen your goodness for who you are. I've seen you seated on your throne, high and exalted. In a place that leaves me speechless but I've been forgiven. I've been healed because of my faith in Jesus as Lord and Savior. I've been atoned for. I've been purchased. I've been paid for. My life is not my own. I'm an ambassador of reconciliation now. I'm a conduit of your grace. Who are you going to send to the school? Who are you going to send to the workplace? Who are you going to send to my family? Who are you going to send across the street? Who are you going to send to Simpson Park? Who are you going to send to open their home for this student? Who are you going to send to fill up these bags of food? Who are you going to send to whatever it is that he's stirring in your heart? Here I am, Lord, send me because you're good enough. Father, we thank you. 
We thank you for the incredible grace that you continue to pour out on our lives. Lord, we're not worthy of that. We haven't done anything to deserve that. That is, in essence, your grace. We thank you that you are a holy God, that you're an awesome God, that you never change. You are the same yesterday, today, and forever. That even in that place of being people who have sinned, even in that place of being people who have rebelled against you, through your compassion, through your love, through your grace, you sent Jesus to die for us. After living a perfect and sinless life, to be crucified on a cross for us, to be placed into that tomb and on the third day to conquer sin and death and Satan and rise again so that through faith in Christ, we can have a right standing with you. Lord, we don't want to hold on to that just for ourselves. We want to continue to echo this truth to all generations, to all nations, to every tribe, from here to there. Lord, we love you and we thank you. Such an awesome opportunity just to be called your sons and daughters. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us as we study God's word together. We would love to hear how God is moving in your heart and get you connected into the Woodside Bible Church family. Head to woodsidebible.org connect to introduce yourself to us today.